This morning we are in uh, Romans uh, chapter 2. I know everybody loved last week's message on all of our brokenness and, uh, and, and how, uh, how far we were away from God before we were saved. Uh, this morning, we're going to move into chapter 2, and Paul really uh, moves from what was in chapter 1, really an indictment on uh, the, the pagan uh, cultures of the world at that time, those that were so far removed from God, it was totally obvious. You could look on them and see they are evil, they are bad, and we can see that in our own country and places that we know when people are bad, they're, uh, and that goes through this whole long list of murderers. I mean, I mean, it just goes down this this list in chapter one of what humanity looks like when it has fully turned itself from God. It goes through that list at the end of chapter one: evil, greed, depravity, envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice, gossip, slander, God haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. I mean, that's a pretty good list. That's some people you all want to hang out with. Pretty rough list. And, and so you remember last week at the end, we spent a long time, and, and, and the, the danger of chapter one is what I said at the end of last week, is that it's really easy to start looking at that and saying, wow, those people are bad. And we start to separate us from those people, and in beginning in chapter two, Paul completely flips that on his head, and he talks to a different group to remind us uh, that we have no ground to stand on and be saying us versus those people. And so he starts out in chapter 2. Let's just read these verses. That way uh, we will uh, we'll have them in our minds and our hearts as we work our way through them. The title of this morning's message is Responding to God's Kindness. You know, people uh, can take advantage of kindness. You ever been kind to people? You just keep giving and giving, and you realize you were doing it in order to, 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 to show that you care about them and hopefully they would take it and do something with it. And yet you have given and given and given, and they've made it their decision to just keep taking and taking and taking. Well, this morning we're going to talk about the gift of kindness from God. This, this, these verses say uh, it talks about God's kindness. And each and every person that ever breathed the breath, we have to decide how we're going to respond to it. I called this part one because it was too long to call it what I really wanted to call it, and so uh, it would have been responding to God's kindness the wrong way, and it wouldn't all fit on the slide. So part one is the wrong way, so y'all are going to learn this week, okay, this is not what I do, this is not what I should do in responding to God's kindness. Next week, we're going to look at the right way, okay? But this week, let's read these verses, starting in Romans chapter 2, verse 1, therefore... Remember, he turned this around before. He said, people have no excuse. Verse 1 of chapter 2, he says, you. He's writing to whoever's listening, whoever's reading. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. We're going to spend some time there today. So when you, a mere human being, don't you love that? Don't, so when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, his forbearance, his patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to what? 
lead you to repentance. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. So we're going to go through verse 6 technically this morning. I wanted to throw that in, but we're going to spend time in 1 through 5. So here he turns to a group, a group that is not so obvious as the first group. They are not as obvious as the first group. And he turns to them and he's talking to them, very people that were likely sitting in, uh, they probably weren't pews or chairs, I don't know what they would have been, but in these uh, churches at Rome as they were reading this letter. And he starts speaking to the very people that were there, and, and we learn a, uh, uh, a, a truth in this passage that you can be very close to the altar and very far from God. That you can have the external appearances of righteousness without a repentant heart. Which is a, a thing that should cause us all to take a deep breath and say, let me do some self-reflection. Because these people absolutely think they are saved and going to heaven that he is speaking to. They absolutely believe uh, that they are. And we're going to take some time um, looking at this character, if you will. Uh, we'll make up an imaginary character. Um, and so let, let's look at just for a minute. We're going to call this, here's who he's talking about. He's talking about the moralist. All right, you got to hang with me for just a minute. Uh, who is the moralist? Does that look familiar? That is somebody, you know, like they're an angel and they're pointing at somebody else. You get it? You, you see it there? Uh, these people, like I said, they, they appear good. They, they look like they are doing everything right. They, uh, they also, uh, this is really the, the telling uh, characteristic of the moralist is they spend a lot of time judging others and looking down on others. It wasn't too long ago, uh, just a few weeks ago, I was uh, in our neighborhood. I, had, Bethany and I and Harker and Roz, we were all getting ready to leave. Uh, but Roz was out at uh, Amber and Adam's house, which is a few blocks from our house. And uh, Beth was finishing up getting ready. And I just took Harker, put him in the van, uh, and drove out to Amber and Adam's to pick up Roz. And I was going to come back around and get Bethany and pick her up from the house. And, uh, and so I was out there, and I was getting Roz out of the house. Harker was in his car seat. And uh, I look up, and there's somebody way down the street walking. And uh, they're pushing a stroller, and it's a... It's a woman with dark hair, and it's, she's about a block and a half, two blocks away. And I thought, I mean, she knew I was coming back to get her. We've got a stroller in the van. we got one that we keep at the house. Why is she pushing that stroller out here? And so I just hollered, is that you? And the person went, yeah. And I thought, that does not look like, I don't think that's Beth. And, uh, and then I started saying, why would you walk out? I was yelling, why would you walk out here? I was coming to get you. What, what's going on? And, and she didn't really respond. And as she got closer, I, I went, there's why is there a baby in the stroller? I've got the baby in the van. There's another baby? Why, where'd you get a baby is what I was thinking. And then as she got closer, I realized it was another one of our neighbors. It was not Bethany at all. She was laughing so hard. I think she knew. I thought that she was Bethany. 
These people you see from a distance, the moralist is going to look like an authentic Christian. They're, they're going to dot all the I's. They're going to cross the T's. They're going to be disciplined. They're going to be upright. They're going to be, they're going to be righteous. They're going to have an, uh, make an honest living. They're going to take care of their family. They're going to do the things that you think Christians should do. And I mentioned a little bit about really the, uh, I won't say the danger. We are blessed to grow up in a place where we got to hear the gospel and, 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 and be around the Bible Belt where we heard about Jesus from the ground up, from the birth up. But there's, there's, there's a bit of a risk in it, too, is that you grow up in a culture where there's just all this, this influence about being good. Okay? Is that, does that resonate with anybody? That there's this pressure to be good and appear good. And the, the scary thing is, is what Paul is telling us here, there are lots of very good people in hell. And he's telling us that it is deeper than this. Now, I'm not saying righteousness and being obedient is not important. It is very important. But as a means of salvation, it is nothing. And so we put this pressure sometimes on our kids, on our families, on, in our communities to be good. And on all the external man, as long as external, it looks good until there's a child out of wedlock. Does this sound familiar? There's a DUI in the newspaper. We've been hiding it. We've been knowing somebody's struggling with issues, but we're hiding it because we've got to keep up the external appearances of righteousness. Until somebody's, a spouse's car is no longer at their house anymore. Because we, we take this risk. To, now he's talking to a very specific group that is a moralist that they are not saved. But even us Christians have a tendency to be a little judgy sometimes. Okay, he's going to call us out of this and speak us out of this. And he really does it in a strong way. We're going to look at three things here about the, the moralist. One, we're going to look at the mistaken identity. The, this ability that people, you and I, the, the people we know, people that sometimes are part of our church possibly, are able to put on a, a face of righteousness and do the, check the boxes and, and, and meet the list that we would expect. To be a Christian, this person might be the nicest person you know, um, and so they have this ability, and there's this risk of mistaken identity. We might call them uh, hypocrite or self-righteous. You know, you, you you've heard people say, "I'm not going to the church because all the hypocrites there are self-righteous." Two thousand years ago, there were people who were self-righteous. There will always be people who are self-righteous, who think they've done so good and done everything so right that everybody who doesn't deserves what they get. And that is what this, this person is doing. He's saying, wait a minute, because remember I was saying they were probably cheering, right? They were cheering when, when, when anger and, and deceit and malice and, and, and murderers and all. Yes, they deserve your wrath, God. Pour out on them, those people. Right? Have you got there before? 
they deserve what they get? Have you had that mind uh, mindset of someone who is an addiction? You've, you've called them a, a druggie. Y'all heard that term around here? They just show up. They you know get away. Watch out for them. Those people. I've heard people say we should just take them all and put them somewhere uh, away from all of us, like they're not even human beings. And maybe y'all haven't heard that, but I've heard people talk pretty rough about people in addiction. Those people. And he says, if we're not careful, we will forget a couple things here. Um, Because what they have is they agree with God's commandments. They agree with his wrath and his judgment, but they're not obedient in it. Because we're going to find here that we're we're broken, the world's broken. Uh, And in chapter 3, we get to the beautiful truth that we have opportunity for God's grace and salvation. I promise we're going to get there. But like I said, it's really important to understand the problem before you start to try to solve it. Uh, so, so what happens here? We find a couple things. One, they practice the same sin. He said it here. Let's go back and look uh, in verse um, verse 1. Because you, uh, the judge, practice the very same things. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? We was talking to them. He said, hey, listen, I know. I know the, the Ten Commandments says, do not, uh, don't, don't kill, you shall not murder. But if you're, you, you harbor hatred and anger in your heart, you, you're, you've done the same thing. You are as sinful as the one who has murdered. And so he, he's, he's telling this group, wait a minute, you cannot be looking down on those people because you have committed the same sins. Actually, if, if, if when judgment comes absent the grace of Christ, you all are in the same line, okay? You're, you're lined up going the same direction, absent the grace of God. We also uh, find that they're going to get the same judgment and wrath. Do you think you will escape God's judgment? Think about this. Uh, uh, so, so first we looked at their mistaken identity that they look like one of us. They look like Christians. And sometimes they think they are. Not just, they don't just have us fooled. The scary part is sometimes they might have themselves fooled. Uh, and we're going to get to the end and say, well, how do I, I don't want to be that person. <laughs> so we'll get there at the end to make sure we're not. So the, the Morris has uh, a mistaken identity, but it also has a misunderstanding of a couple things. A misunderstanding. Because uh, you see, they, they've, they're confused about their role. They've been holding court. And they're about to get subpoenaed. <laughs> okay, they, they think they are the judge. They think, they, they think because they lived some life of, 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 of external righteousness and goodness. And they've looked good in their community. That they stand on some place to look down and judge other people in their brokenness. And, uh, and Paul's like, you better, you better get ready. Because uh, I love it when he says, uh, you a mere human being. What, what, what in effect he's saying is we try to play God. We try to put ourselves above the status for which we are. Because we don't know everything. 
And he says, you're just a mere human being. You should be loving. Your, your role is to care about people who are broken and fail, not be the judge and the criticizer and the put down and the one that, who decides who gets wrath and should get wrath. You've got a good message. I've given you the good news. It's time for you to share it with those people. He says, you're a mere human being, pass judgment on them, and yet do the same things. Do you think you will escape judgment? Verse 2, he said this. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. What is truth? We've talked a lot about that, actually, in the last few months. Uh, and what we, what we find here is this reality that when we go to court today, uh, unfortunately, uh, the judge does not have access to what the absolute reality in the situation was. That they have to depend upon one side to make their case and bring witnesses and evidence and say, here's what we think really happened. And then they have to let the other side bring their evidence and their cases and, and their witnesses, and they have to put forth their testimony and say, here's what really happened. And they've got these two sides. But, but here's the thing that happens with God and his judgment that should all get us thinking and think, oh, wait. Because it is absolute truth. All the things we think we've hid from everybody, all the things I've, I think I've hid from you, that, that as, a, as, as a pastor or, or uh, as a deacon or what, whatever your role might be, that you, you've made everybody, you put on this, this, this appearance of good. Uh, the, the Bible says that God looks not after the, out, after the outly man, but he looks after our heart. And you see, so when we stand before God, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have no defenses. You know, like our whole life and like kids do, they're always able to weasel out of things, right? Like you can do something, but I, they'll never know it. They didn't see it. I can tell a little lie. Like I can just pretend like it didn't happen. If I pretend long enough, it's like it didn't happen. That's not the case with God. You don't get to say, but this. He says, you have no excuse. You have no excuse. And he says, uh, those who do such things is based on truth, the reality. You're going to stand before him, give an account of every thought you had, of every deed you've done. So they misunderstand their role. They misunderstand what the judgment is going to be like. And they're probably thinking they've, they've done uh, a good enough appearances, but they misunderstand that God is going to base it on reality <laughs> and where the heart is. They also have a misunderstanding of God's kindness. He says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience? Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. So they've misunderstood God's kindness. In 1 Jeremiah 31 3, it says, The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I've loved you with an everlasting love. 
I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Ephesians 2.6 says, And God raised up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Titus chapter 3 says, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared to us, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. So He's saying, How is God kind? You listed out, man, last week and all this wrath and judgment and hell. How is God kind? You see, we deserve all that. But every breath we take, even you know, before you've given your life to Christ, every, every breath you take is God, God's forbearance. Because <laughs> you deserve the wrath. And he keeps giving this, he's patient, he's forbearing, he is, he is kind because he cares and gives people chance after chance after chance, their, their stubbornness, their, their rejection of him, the rebellion of him, and in ways that you and I would blow our top and lose it. He shows long-suffering and kindness. And you see, we get blinded by that, and, 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 and we take, take it for granted. And maybe we show contempt, like Paul says, and like, I'm getting away with this. That's pretty cool. Sin a little bit, sin a little bit here and there. Uh, you know, I'm not giving my life to, to God. I'm not giving it all over to him. I'm pretty good. I got a house. I got, I got a good job. I got good things going on. I'm pretty good. Things are pretty good. And we've mistaken, misunderstood God's kindness. See, look here what this looks like. We have our sin, our brokenness that we talked about last week and what we're talking about this morning. He's saying no matter where you are, he's like, don't, don't you in the church get so excited about all those people out there and how they're going to get the wrath of God poured out on them because you very well could be very close to the altar and have never given your real heart to Christ and, and be in the same boat. That's what he's saying. That's the summary of this, 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 these five verses. So we got our sin, this broken relationship with God. And then we have God's kindness. Both in that he is forbearing and he gives us chance and he calls us. He leaves the 99 uh, chasing down after us. We also have his kindness in that we have the opportunity to accept this wonderful gift. It is a gift because we can't earn it. We can't be good enough to deserve salvation. And he says, here Paul's saying, this is God, God, God given you this kindness, you've taken contempt. And he said at the, the end of uh, verse 4, I believe it is, God's kindness is intended to lead you to where? Repentance. To repentance. 
God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Here's us. Everywhere but there. God has called us to repentance. He said, here's what, here's what you're doing. Here's what you're doing. You're, you're taking this gift I've given you and, and this thing that is supposed to, to be drawing you and pulling you in and showing you that I care about you. And it's supposed to, to, to break your heart that, man, you're being, I, I, I'm being so rebellious to God, and yet he's still loving me and showing me kindness is supposed to make us want to change. It's supposed to lead us to repentance, to, feel, to say, I'm sorry. To come down off our high horse of, of, of our pride and self-righteousness and say, I'm broken. And it's coming out in my relationships. It's coming out in my life. It's coming out in my work. It's coming out in how I yell at my kids. And, and I'm trying to be good, be good. I'm trying to do all these things right. And I'm like this guy in this car that's swerving all over the road, forgetting all i got to do is go back. And repentance isn't just a one-time thing. You do it and you get saved. It, our hearts should be repentant until we meet Christ. And yet, even as Christians, we forget, I need to take this sin to God, this brokenness. Maybe we get to a point where we're feeling pretty self-righteous. we got things together, and other people don't. And yet, he says, and so what do we do with all this? What do we do with all this, this mistaken identity, this misunderstanding, and, and we see in this a missed opportunity as we get ready to close we find the real important thing here in verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart. That Paul is speaking to them and he's asking this question. In fact, I'll ask you this morning. How is your heart. Not how good were you this week. Not did you keep all your family and your friends fooled this week. I just want to ask that question is how is your heart? Well, what is your heart? It's all the things that I can't see but God can. The only hope out of this situation, and, and honestly, this group is probably the most difficult to reach because they struggle to see their brokenness. The only hope is that eventually they, 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 they see their brokenness and it leads them to repentance. That's the only hope for any of us, is to humble ourselves before God and to say, I did not do it. I did not hit the mark. I am not perfect. I've messed up. I've broken. 
and, and I've taken advantage at times of your kindness and your mercy. But God, I want to be born again. I want your spirit live inside of me. I'm inviting you into my life. I'm giving all this to you. And, and, and you see what happens, and we're going to learn a lot about this, this, this later in this book, is that what is so broken and dirty and messy, as soon as we invite Christ into our life, we become white as snow in our righteousness. That God's judgment and wrath is no longer based on our works, but based on Jesus' works. And that's much better than ours, I can promise. And all it takes is repentance. Uh, there's a song we're going to try to sing this morning. That, uh, that speaks to this. speaks to it. I'm going to invite you to stand up this morning. And every time I, the, the bridge of the song, we're going to start with the bridge. Um, that uh, says pretty simply what I've said this morning that I don't want to abuse your grace God I need it every day it's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change this morning we're going to sing this we're going to invite you to sing uh, along with us I want to invite you to look at your heart this morning I want you to think about God's kindness how have you responded to it have you at times taken it uh, for granted, have you shown him contempt? Have you let it lead you into repentance? This morning, we're going to sing this song. The altar's open. You can pray where you are. Uh, you can call me after church. You can message us. Uh, if God's dealing with your heart, we want to walk that journey of faith with you.